podcast listeners and welcome to the April 18th, 2018 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Outside, everything's topsy-turvy in Hong Kong as the sky tries to make up its mind what season it is. Inside, however, we're warm and happy because tonight is the night for the Hong Kong Stories April live show with the theme of Face the Music. There are still one or two tickets left for the show starting at 8pm at the Fringe Club. Head on over to our website at www.hongkongstories.com to find the info you need and get yourself some tickets. Today we'd like to thank our listeners in Heiwajima, Japan, Richmond Hill in Canada, and Strathfield in Australia for tuning in and listening to our stories. We'd also like to send a big hello to our hometown listeners in Hong Kong. If you're listening in our fine city and would like to give storytelling a try, you can come to one of our free weekly workshops, No Experience Necessary. For more information on how to find our workshops, go to hongkongstories.com. You can also find past episodes of the podcast, photos of our storytellers, and information and links to our upcoming Spoken Word Festival in May. And if you're not in Hong Kong but you fancy hearing your story, you can send us a written version. The stories can be anything at all as long as they're true, and they're short, and you are the main character. We promise to read them all, and our favorites may be read on future podcasts. Just use the Contact Us link on the webpage at hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. On the podcast today, we'll be hearing a story from Tracy about the most difficult job in the world, parenting. Tracy told this story in February 2018 for a show with the theme of Escape. I have three children. (laughs) And like any excellent parent, I spend time thinking about their future. I worry about it. I do. But what I won't do is obsess over parenting trends, because that'll make you crazy. Parenting trends are like fad diets. Like, they're always changing, and they often contradict themselves. So, like, this week, we're all tiger parenting and standing over our kids and forcing them to practice the violin until their fingers bleed. (laughs) But last week, we were all French parenting and taking the same kids to bohemian cafes and treating them like equals. (laughs) But the week before that, we were all Norwegian parenting, which is like leaving them out in the sub-zero cold to fend for themselves <laughs> while we go back inside and have a drink by the fireplace. I think because I didn't finish that book. Because I am too smart for that. Now, but I'll admit there was a time a couple years ago when I got caught up in the craze around resilience parenting. Which, oddly, is not associated with a particular country or culture, but is all about this idea that in order to best prepare our children for the future, what we really need to do is to teach them to fall down and get right back up again, to take risks and embrace challenge, to make a hundred mistakes every day, to get tough, basically to do the things that we ourselves would never actually do. (laughs) At the time, it seemed reasonable, and resilience parenting kind of seeped into our everyday family life, which is how my husband and I found ourselves in the mountains outside of Guilin, (laughs) taking our kids on a three-day biking, hiking, and rafting expedition. I was all about the resilience. My husband, however, was all about the bribery. 
And so he told the kids that if they did a good job adventuring, then afterwards we could check into a nearby resort for a couple days of relaxation. And the kids did do a good job. I woke them up every day by shouting, Good morning, warriors! Are you ready for today's challenge? And then I would sit on the sidelines and shout combinations of motivational words at them (laughs) while they hiked through the mud. I'd be yelling like, honor your body! (laughs) And look how strong you are! Go, go, go! (laughs) Which my three-year-old seemed to really enjoy. (laughs) My five-year-old and my seven-year-old were like a little more skeptical. (laughs) But they earned their relaxation and we checked into the resort. And when we got there, we discovered that this place had a trapeze school, which is like way too good for me to pass up. So as soon as we could, I gathered them together and I dragged them over there. And this thing was hard to miss because this was the real deal circus situation. This trapeze was like three or four stories tall. It had the rope ladder on the side that led up to these platforms that were like literally in the clouds and had this giant safety net underneath. And there were coaches. It was fully staffed. And as we approached, we saw somebody suiting up to get up there. It was an older woman. We got a little bit closer, and we realized it was actually a silver-haired grandma. This woman put on a harness, and they attached her to safety wires. She walked up to the rope ladder. She climbed to the top, and she performed routine after routine of, like, stunning trapeze work. She swung from her arms in a perfect arc. Then she swung from her knees in a perfect arc. And she let go of the bar, and she did this double flip thing, and then she grabbed the bar again, and she perfectly dismounted. And I asked one of the coaches who was standing nearby, like, is that a retired Cirque du Soleil performer? He was like, no, that's a regular resort guest. She just spends a lot of time on the trapeze. (laughs) So I looked at my kids, and I'm like, do you see that? That grandma has grit. Like, that's outrageous. If she can do it, you can do it. Who's going first? And my three-year-old is like already in there. He's chalking up his hands. He's getting ready to go. He's smiling. He looks at me, shows me his hands. Uh, And then he licks a big stripe up the middle of one palm. I'm like, three-year-old, this particular challenge is probably not going to be for you. (laughs) So instead, I grab my five-year-old and I kind of push her forward. And they give her a tiny little harness, and they attach her to these safety wires. And I get down there, and I'm like, five-year-old, you can do this. Get up there and make mommy proud. Whatever you do, don't look down. I push her towards the ladder. So she starts to climb, and she gets like five steps up, and she stops. She looks over her shoulder, shakes her head. I walk over to the rope ladder. I'm like, five-year-old, what are you doing? (laughs) She's not having it. And this is like story of my life. My kids are always the ones crying, holding up the line, making a scene, (laughs) refusing to embrace the resilience. (laughs) I am frustrated. I'm like, fine, get down. Your sister will do it. (laughs) Seven-year-old, you're up. So this kid steps forward. She's just a little bit older and a little bit wiser. She looks at the trapeze. She looks at me, and she's like, sure, I'll do it. After you. (laughs) 
And just to be clear, like I had no intention of doing any trapeze swinging. I was there because, as I mentioned, I am an excellent mother. I do not need to build resilience. That ship has sailed. But then the seven-year-old like turns the tables, gauntlet thrown after you. So I'm like, fine. Go over, I take a harness, I put it on, they attach the safety wires, I chalk my hands, and I go to the rope ladder. But here's the thing. Once you're on the rope ladder and you're climbing, you realize how unstable it is. This thing is like flapping in the wind, <laughs> and my knees are weak, my stomach starts to churn, and my palms are sweating. But I stay the course, and I'm climbing the rope ladder, and it's like going on forever into the clouds. Finally, I reach the platform where there's a coach waiting for me. I get a look at the platform. And this thing is like three inches wide. Like half of my foot doesn't even fit on the splinter of a platform. And the coach is standing there holding the trapeze bar. And um, he starts telling me what I'm supposed to do with it. But honestly, it's like, (laughs) I'm not hearing what he's saying because I don't take my own advice. And I look down trying to see where my kids are and if they're looking at me. And I'm so far up that they are like tiny little specks in the distance. And my knees like buckle. And I am sweating and I'm definitely going to throw up. And this was the worst decision I've ever made in my entire life. Like, fuck, resilience. What am I doing? But there's no escaping the situation. There's only one way that this could go. So the coach stops talking, and he's like, okay? And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And he hands me the trapeze bar. I take it, and I do the thing that I later found out you're definitely not supposed to do, which is I jump vertically (laughs) off the platform, screaming like a banshee. (laughs) And for a moment, it is glorious, like... I am a bird in flight. I am soaring towards the heavens. It's exhilarating. But what jumps up often plummets down. And as the bar started to descend, my sweaty grip could not withstand the force of my overly enthusiastic velocity. And the bar slipped from my hands. And like, forget a bird in flight. I went down like a dead weight, like like a hippopotamus falling out of the sky. I went down in a straight diagonal, face first, screaming into the safety net, rope burned down one side of my face, all the skin scraped off my palms, and I just lay there. (laughs) And when the screaming stopped, screaming was me. There there was just silence. Everybody was in shock. The coaches, the resort guests, my children. Everybody was just waiting to see if the giant white lady (laughs) bleeding into the safety net was going to move. So I'm lying there and a coach walks underneath and he looks up at me and he like kind of winces. And I'm like, ha ha. I bet that happens a lot. 
And he's like, um, I've worked here for 10 years, and I've never seen anything like that before. And then he encourages me to remove myself from the net. But to get out of the net, what you're supposed to do is hold on to the edge and flip over. But I was like really shaken up. There's no skin left on my hands. And I just couldn't do it. It was so undignified. It was so bad. And this guy finally took pity on me, and he lifted me up, and he put me on the ground. I stood there on the grass, facing the crowd that had assembled to witness my shame. And I scanned to try and find my kids' faces, and when I did, I saw the eyes locked, (laughs) mouths gaping. And in that moment, I saw their future unfurl. I saw just how I had traumatized them. Like, these kids had no shot at resilience. They were never going to take a risk. They were never going to embrace a challenge after watching mommy publicly humiliate herself slash become disfigured on the trapeze that one time in Guilin. So, I knew what I had to do. I squared my dislocated shoulders. (laughs) And I held my rope burn head up high. I rechalked my bloodied fingers. And I tightened that goddamn harness. And I climbed up that ladder again. Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. We would also like to thank our unsung hero of the story, Sheridan, who curated and directed our February 2018 show. We appreciate all your work. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. If you want to know more about learning to tell great stories, our upcoming shows, or the Spoken Word Festival in May, you can visit us on hongkongstories.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell your friends. We publish new stories every Wednesday. May your week be filled with a lack of ice storms, good conversation, and great stories. Mm-hmm.